0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good evening, everybody. It's really nice to be back in church and to see everybody again. It's been so long right? You can give a cheer if you've got one in you. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's really something to be back. And, and I'm happy to, to be able to bring the word uh, today. I'm excited. And for everybody watching online, you're most welcome. God is working. God is working, even here in the church. We can sense his presence. We can sense his nearness. He's close. And I think about Psalm, I think it's 145 verse 18, that it talks about the Lord being near to those who call on him in truth and the body of Christ that's you and that's me we're in truth truth as a person and so when you're in Christ and you call on the Lord he's close amen he's near to you and I just wanted I just want to pray and get into the word I don't want to spend too long introducing the message this evening so let's just pray and maybe you'll pray with me if you're watching online and maybe even in the auditorium you'd lift your hands and let's let's pray and let's get ready for the word of God Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, for your words, Lord, and the power therein, Lord. I thank you for your spirit, Lord, that as it, 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 your spirit is at work, Lord, in such a wonderful way in the day we are in, Lord God. And we stand in that, Lord. You're always at work. You're always at work for the good and the lives of those whom you've loved and called according to your purpose. It's true, God. And that's me. And that's, and that's every believer. That's everyone in Christ that we can rely on on you and we can trust that your plan God is an unshakable eternal reality that is bursting forth in every area of our lives you're going to do everything you have promised you'll do. You're standing over your word to perform it, Lord. And so I thank you, Lord, that this word doesn't need my help to find its way into the hearts of the listeners, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just come and help me, animate me. I'm a tired guy, Lord. I, I need you. I need you. I'm calling in weakness, knowing that your strength is made manifest in our weakness, Lord. Like Abraham Abraham said I'm but dust and ash and so Lord in that way Lord we come knowing that you're benevolent and kind and willing and you're a father who loves us and you have good things for us tonight Lord so would you lift every head would you fill every heart and would you renew and refresh and refocus in Jesus name and most of all get me out of the way Lord so we can see the gospel so we can see the gospel the grace of God Lord the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ and we all said amen Amen. and amen Amen. folks listen it's been so long since we've had an opportunity to preach in front of people so will you do me a favor and preach with me tonight amen so we're all preaching this message so if you like it say amen if you don't like it say amen anyway and see me afterwards okay will we just go like that listen amen I love it (laughs) Listen tonight. I want to talk to you about something that that I, I really believe that the Lord has been uh, ministering this. Every time I've been asked to uh, stand here and and bring a word, God has brought me back again and again and again to the idea of, of Him being a redeemer and the idea of redeeming love and the power of His love, of His grace to break the bonds of shame, to break the bonds of guilt, to break the bonds of of the feelings of unworthiness. that we can carry with us through life. Uh, If you're any way honest, maybe you know what it is to feel unworthy. Amen. Well, God says, I want you to know my redeeming love. I want you to understand this about me. I am a redeemer. What does that mean? It means that I have bought you back from slavery. I have come down and I've paid with my blood to purchase you. You are my people. You belong to me, and I have a plan for your life. Remember in the book of Acts, Paul says that Paul refers to the church of God, right? That he says in it's chapter 20 speaking to the ephesian elders he says it's the church of god that he purchased with his own blood that's you and me can i get an amen purchased you didn't have a name now you have a name once you were destitute far off outside of 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 the promises of the grace of god in the gospel and then he came and he purchased you on the cross and now you belong to him amen Folks, come on now. Amen to that, right? I'm going to preach this until something happens. Okay, so look, um, today I want to talk to you again then about redeeming love. And I want to talk to you, uh, the title of the message today is From Rejection to Rest. I want to talk about rejection and I want to talk about the journey from rejection to rest and I want to speak to you out of the Old Testament I want to talk to you about a character called Leah a person called Leah uh, you may well know the story it's in Genesis 29 but I want you to to just ready your heart here because I really believe that God wants to speak uh, because those are there are those of us who are living uh, with with scars uh, from rejection uh, there are those of us who know what it is to be abandoned there are those of us who who know what it is to, to be kind of the recipient of imperfect love. Do you know that imperfect people love imperfectly? Okay, so we may have had people in our lives who haven't quite loved us the way that they ought to have loved us. And some of us today are desperate for affirmation desperate for affection, and maybe even trapped in unhealthy cycles of behavior that are motivated by our need for love, okay? And so I want to speak to the unlovely, the unworthy, and I want you to know that you can have healing through the power of the love of Jesus. He wants you to know him as a redeemer. He wants you to know that he's the lover of the broken, the unloved, the destitute. Jesus loves the ugly ducklings. He loves them. Amen. And so let's get into the text and I want to read to you from Genesis 29. Are you ready? Let's go. A little bit of context. Uh, um, Jacob, we know Jacob, the son of, the second son of Isaac, the patriarch. Um, he was the one without hair. Esau was the hairy one, the rugged one, the hunter, the outdoorsman. And Jacob was the, let's say he was the nerdy one, the bookworm. His name means usurper, supplanter. And so from a very young age he was set up for deception in his own life and so when we get into Genesis 29 Jacob had deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright Esau was the older of the two therefore he um, under the laws of primogeniture at the time the older one was um uh, he was um uh, in the inheritance he reserved two thirds of the inheritance. So he was going to get a much bigger chunk and uh, Jacob found a way to swindle him out of that. And then he ran. He ran for his life. He ran to, um, he was told by Isaac, his father, run to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. Now his mother was uh, Rebecca, so he had to run to a place called Padan Aram for his life, away from Esau who wanted to kill him. But there I Isaac said, I want you to not just find refuge, but a wife for yourself from your mother's brothers daughters right I'm amazed I got all that out right from your mother's brothers daughters now his mother was Rebecca her brother's name was Laban so although we tend to think that it was Laban's house it was actually Bethuel's house Laban lived there and and so Isaac or Jacob ran and he got there in Genesis 29 and there at the well at what would become Jacob's well he meets Rachel the younger of the two of Laban's daughters and he falls in love straight away. So folks, if you don't think there's anything like love at first sight, it's right here in Genesis 29. He saw Rachel and he was hook, line and sinker. But Rachel had an older sister whose name was uh, Leah. And I want to pick this up. I want to look at Leah tonight. I want to look at her journey because Leah's journey was certainly one from rejection to rest, and I want to look at what that means, so let's start, let's read the text here, and I'm going to read um, from, um, I guess I'm going to read from 15 down to the end, okay, then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you serve, should you therefore serve me for nothing, tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters, the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed." So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, uh, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob uh, said uh, to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one and I will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant, bill her to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So listen, look at this folks, verse 30. So Jacob went into Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah and he served Laban for another seven years and I really want to zoom in here verse 31 to the end of the chapter and I think as you read it with me you'll see some of what Leah's journey was when the Lord saw that Leah was hated he opened her womb but Rachel was barren And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. I just want to hit pause here, folks. You know, we can read the Bible, and we can take this as a story. This is a real woman's experience. To be so unloved in a marriage... But that was her experience. Try and go there with me in the text here. Imagine this woman's experience, okay? Verse 33, she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me the son also. She called his name Simeon. And she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi, and she conceived again, and bore a son, and said, This time, I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, and she ceased bearing. Amen. Praise the Lord for his word. Tonight, I want to look at a broken heart, a breakthrough, and then if we have time, I want to look at a garden, and I want to look at a bride. Amen. So I'm going to try and get to all of that tonight, time permitting. So Genesis, I want to look at 15 verse 18. The Bible says that Leah had weak eyes. Now, in in in, in the language, in the original language, that actually means breakable or fragile. But really, when you read the text, it's quite clear what it means. So if, if Leah's eyes were weak in that she couldn't see far, in the context of the text, it would have said something like, Rachel has weak eyes, or excuse me, Leah has weak eyes, but Rachel can see really, really far. Okay, but it doesn't say that. It says that Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was beauty of beautiful in form and appearance. So from the text we can understand that what what the writer wants us to know about Leah is that she wasn't attractive. She wasn't a good-looking woman. She was, she was the ugly duckling, and, and uh, Rachel was the swan, okay? So I want you to try and see that about her. She was unattractive, uh, and the only way, it seems, from the text, that she would ever be married was if her father would hoodwink Jacob. Now, now I'm I, trying not to paint too much of a picture here, but but my heart breaks for Leah. I, I, my heart breaks for this woman, uh, the lot that she's been dealt, if you like. But I want you to know something. I want you to look at verse thirty-one here. The Bible says, "When Jesus saw that, when God saw, excuse me, that Leah was hated, He opened her womb." And folks, I want you to know something right now. Jesus is the lover of the unlovely I want you to catch that there is a grace that God began to show Leah when he saw that she wasn't loved and I want to explore this the grace and the kindness of the Lord to Leah when he saw she was hated, he opened her womb. And folks, Leah is a picture of the, of the church, first of all, but also the Christian in the gospel, the unlovable one. When Jacob failed to love Leah, God loved Leah, fought for her, opened her womb blessed her with children he was her consolation when the love of Jacob was not forthcoming when Jacob didn't love her Jesus loved her when Jacob couldn't love her the way or value her the way she ought to have been valued as a as God's creation as a redeemed being God himself loved her he was her consolation And this, folks, is a picture of redeeming love. This is what redeeming love is. When the world cast us out, he loved us. He brought us in. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's I want you. I choose you. It is the moment where he said, I'm choosing you. In spite of the ugliness, brokenness, and rebellion of sin, I am joining myself to you i'm joining myself to you i'm accepted we are accepted in a moment of time at salvation acceptance we become gods he becomes ours yet we spend a lifetime accepting his acceptance we spend a lifetime accepting his acceptance of us and look at this i want to look at verse 32 to 35 I want to look at this woman. She begins to give Jacob children. She begins to give, to give birth to sons. At the time, that was the pinnacle of womanhood. If you could give your husband a son, you were fulfilling every wifely duty you could possible. It was the pinnacle of womanhood at the time. And yet you can see, I mean, folks, we've heard this, we've heard the saying. There's there's something in a name. Have you ever heard that saying? Well, I tell you what, if you don't read verses 31 through to the end of the chapter and see this woman's journey through the names of her children, it starts, her first son's name is Reuben. And what's interesting about Reuben is when you look at the original language, the word Reuben, it's derived from the idea of sight or seeing. Seeing. And then the next is Simeon. And the Simeon actually comes from the idea of hearing. That's what these names mean. And so she's, she's living for, she's literally naming these sons, putting her heart on her sleeve, naming these sons, marking, benchmarking, bookmarking her emotional journey, literally. The next is Levi, needing, it's the sense that she needs attachment. And it's literally literally a journey. Maybe now he will see me. Maybe now he will hear me. Maybe now he will attach himself to me. But folks, that son, that son Judah, something changed between Levi and Judah. She went from that to this time I will praise. From rejection to rest. And I want to show you, because I believe that that, that it's right here, there is something for us if we are dealing with rejection. There is something for us if we are dealing with what is to not be preferred, to not be valued, to be put aside or cast aside. Look, rejected by our husband, desperate for his love, feeling hated, seeking attachment. Is that you? Is that you? Feeling... The idea, we, we can battle on the inside in ways that are so severe and never show it to the world. And so I want to speak to you tonight, if that's, to, to you tonight, if that is you, folks, we, we, we can fight to accept ourselves and no one can ever know we're in the fight of our lives. And look at what she's saying here. Right here. Now my husband, we'll just go down there a little bit in the text. Now my husband will be attached to me. I've given him three sons. It's amazing, her rationale. That bearing children, bearing children would win Jacob's heart. This woman's a victim of partiality. She's looking to her husband for affirmation, love, acceptance. She was never pursued by her husband, never favoured. And no amount of children could buy Jacob's heart, could earn Jacob's heart. Now, you know, folks, rejection can push us into the wrong kind of behaviours. Even doing the right things for the wrong reasons Leah thought having children could somehow buy Jacob's love and turn away her feelings of inadequacy. How many of us live like that? How many of us live that way? Or if I could just meet the standard, then I'll be done with my self-loathing. If I could just be loved by somebody, I would have value in life. If someone would just love me, I could have value, I could have identity, I could find definition, I'm doing everything right, I'm ticking every box, I got myself in shape, I did my hair, I I I did Joe Wicks, me and my wife are doing Joe Wicks, have you noticed? (laughs) I did everything, everything to be accepted. Yet I I never seem to feel enough. Listen, folks, I want you to hear me on this. No person has the power to fully affirm you. No person. No person can give you a sense of value or worth. Leah put a weight on Jacob he could never carry the burden of of her identity and when i say identity i mean a stable sense of worth and purpose jacob you have to tell me who i am you have to tell me where i'm going she made him a functional savior it can only come from jesus it can only come from christ and this is where i want to go tonight it can only come from the lord We can be so scarred by people's rejection of us, yet the Lord wants to give us all the value, all the security, all the identity, all the purpose, all the direction, all the validity we will ever, ever need. He alone can tell you what you're worth because he is the one who paid for you. He can tell you what you're worth because he flit the bill at Calvary. He knows the cost. He paid the amount. He paid the price. And yet, in the emotional fallout of Jacob's rejection and in the pursuit of his love, there was a growing reality in Leah's life. And it's right there in the passage. Look closely. Verse 6, or excuse me, verse 32. Leah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Reuben. For she reasoned, for she said, the Lord has looked upon my affliction. My husband hasn't seen me, but the Lord has seen me in my affliction. And that word means misery or depression. The Lord has seen me in my depression. The Lord has seen me in my misery. And then here again, the Lord, verse 33, the Lord has heard that I'm hated, and given me a son. So while Jacob had neither seen or heard Leah, the growing reality in Leah's life, the love and grace of Jesus. He can't see me, but he's never taken his eyes off me. He's never really heard me, but he, is, he he knows every thought. And that is the difference. That is the reality. In my depression, in my isolation, he has seen me. He has heard me. Although I have been mistreated, he has made me fruitful in my affliction. He's made me fruitful, even though my husband doesn't love me, even though I've experienced rejection from people, even though people have mishandled me, mistreated me, undervalued me, he has loved me and stood with me and there is fruitfulness in my life and I'm choosing to see the fruits and I'm choosing to see the blessing and I'm choosing to see his love and his grace and I'm not looking at people anymore I'm not looking for their approval for the smile on their face for the warmth in their gaze because his eyes are ever on me, his face is ever turned towards me, he'll never turn from me, I've found all the love I'll ever need in Jesus it can't always be about who's cast you off who's pushed you aside who's let you down He has always loved you. Some of us have been so fixated with earning the acceptance of the very people that have rejected and mistreated us that we've missed the love of God for ourselves. Stop hating yourself. You don't need to experience self-loathing. You are not defined by their rejection. You are not a product of their behavior. There is one who has loved you And chosen you. I won't, will you say it with me, I won't let rejection rob my praise. I won't let the rejection of people rob me, of rob my praise, rob the praise out of my mouth. I want to look at a breakthrough. We've looked, we've seen Leah's heartbreak, no, I want to see, I want to explore Leah's breakthrough, and to do it, I want to look at another passage of Scripture. It's in Hosea uh, chapter 2, verse 14. If you turn there with me. This is God speaking to Israel. Israel, his bride, if you like. His bride, his bride who'd become wayward. His bride who instead of pursuing him, And and standing in his love, had chased after other gods and had made them functional saviors. So I want to bring a parallel here between Israel and between Leah and between us. Because God would speak to his bride and God would say this. Look at verse 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards, that's make her fruitful. And in the valley of Achor, that's a valley of trouble, I will open a door of hope. Now look here, in verse 16. And in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my Baal. Now that word Baal, it actually, when you look at the original language, that the two words there for husband, one is husband or champion or mighty man. So it's an intimate word for a husband. And the other word, Baal, actually in this context means Lord. It's a derivative of Jehovah. So what God is saying is in the desert, I am going to draw you close so that you no longer see me as just Lord far off, but husband, I'm going to breathe over you I'm going to do something in this wilderness, in this place you're in, in this cast-off, desolate place, to draw something I'm going to draw close to you. And so look at this here. This is the heart of the breakthrough that I believe happened somewhere between the birth of Levi and the birth of Judah. God spoke to her, I believe in, in her wilderness. In Israel's wilderness, God said, God promised that he would woo her with kindness, that he would draw her with love. God's word comes to his bride for the sake of freedom. And look at this just in Hosea again. Excuse me, I I stopped early. Verse 19. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. There, in that wilderness place, in that place that Leah was at, she experienced an alluring, a betrothing. There she encountered God's vows to her. There she encountered the promises that God made to her. I don't need you to love me anymore. I am loved. I can lift my voice in praise. Rejection will not rob my praise because he has spoken wonders over me in his word. There she forsook Jacob as her bail, as her functional savior and the Lord became a husband to her. She found her identity in his love rather than her husband's and it birthed praise. Look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 through 8. I'll paraphrase it. God speaking through Moses, he says to the children of Israel, I didn't choose you because you were numerous or 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 expand, or, or, or strong or mighty like the other nations. I chose you because I loved you. In other words, in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8, God says, I chose you and I've loved you just because I love you. I love you because I love you. That is the word that births praise in the hearts of of the rejected and the people who need to feel loved and the people who feel cast off and the people who feel not enough. I love you because I love you. Let me give you an example. If Laura came to me, my wife, she came to me, she said, Patrick, why do you love me? I said, well, Laura, you're a fantastic cook. You're a size zero. You're impeccably dressed. You speak five languages and sing like a, 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 a lark. She's not going to walk away and be like, oh, that's fantastic. That fills me with confidence. All I need to do is not put on a pound. I need to, stand. I need to keep my voice in check. I need to make sure I'm this, that, and the other. What I'm trying to say to you is as soon As you put stipulations on love, it stops being a liberty and a source of freedom and praise and starts to be a burden and a restriction. What she needs to hear from me when she asks me, do you love me, is I love you. Why? Because I love you. So it's coming from me. It's got nothing to do with you. I love you because I am love. And this is what God would say to you and me. I love you because I love you. And see, folks, his pursuit of us, our union with him, it will not stay just head knowledge, just something in a Bible that you feel detached from. God, what I'm trying to say here, what I believe the Holy Spirit would say to you is he's doing something through his word in your life. And it happens in the wilderness. That's where it happens. It's not going to stay head knowledge. It's going to touch the deepest areas of our lives. I love you because I love you. That message, the message of the gospel, the grace of God is on that journey in your life. I love you because I love you. It's not a sentiment. It's more than a feeling to quote the song. It's going into the deepest places of our life. We will be fully persuaded. God's word will break through in us. In the wilderness of your experience, His word is at work to comfort and transform. There he promises, there his promises, lay hold of you. It's his word that lays hold of you. It's not your ability to apprehend the promises. It's their ability to apprehend you. That's the truth. There his word begins to take hold of you there his word begins to do battle with what rejection is destroyed and scarred over his love comes to do battle and to redeem what has become scorched earth emotional scorched earth he comes to plant vineyards where rejection has scorched and salted the earth he comes to make it a lush valley that's what he does that's who he is That is who our God is. There is nothing beyond him. There is nothing too hard for him. There is no emotional scar too deep for his loving kindness to not come and confront and heal. At at some point, she stopped trying to earn her husband's acceptance and simply began to praise. Her situation didn't change, but her perspective did. She began to recognize who truly loved her, cherished her, desired her, pursued her, graced her with children. She had a song, Judah, the fourth child. Look at this. When she started praising, for that season she stopped bearing children. In other words, she stopped trying to earn the love of Jacob. She ceased to strive. Jesus is the husband to the rejected he loves us just because he loves us this brings an end to striving let me read you a passage from Isaiah 54 and then we're going to turn to the, Isaiah 55 Listen, praise the Lord 54 verse 5 for your maker is your husband I get an amen in the house your maker is your husband and the Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer and the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. Goes on to say, for a brief moment I deserted you. In other words, I've allowed you experience some of these things. But with great compassion I'll gather you In overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you, but in everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. What an amazing concept that that the Lord says, I am am your husband. I am the one who loves you. And although you've been cast off and some of these things have happened to you in life, I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back. And I just think that that concept is so powerful. It's so powerful. And now quickly, I want to look at a garden and I want to look at a bride to finish. I want to look at this idea. I want to look at it. And I want to look at Isaiah 55, verse 13. We know this passage. I'll just read it from maybe verse eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it burst forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish all that I would purpose, and it will succeed for the thing in which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And look at verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord and an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And I want to look at verse 13 for a second here. See, because God sends the rain of his word his promises on the unlovely things, and they transform as they drink up the water of his word. Okay? I want to ask you on a more practical level, what are you meditating on? Let his word be your meditation. His word is on a journey down into the deeper places in you, washing, renewing, purifying, making beautiful. So let his word dwell in you. And folks, it's not a matter of feelings, but time. It will do its work. It will transform you. And look here, it gives two, four, I suppose, different types of vegetation. In the Old English, it talks about a thorn to a fir tree, okay? And that thorn, when you look at the original language, it means thorniness. So maybe your experiences have of major thorny. You're a little bit prickly, amen? Well, the scriptures say, that, that transformation, his word can make you a fir tree. And what I love about the fir tree is when you look at that in the original language, it means nobility. So he can take you from thorniness to nobility. His word can do that work in your life. And here, how about this, the briar to the myrtle. When you look at that in the original languages, that briar, it means stinging. So maybe you've got a stinging personality. Maybe, maybe people need a you know maybe you're not a morning person i don't know what it is right but what i love here is when it talks about the myrtle the myrtle is a picture of healing isn't that wonderful so maybe you've been stinging people with your mouth maybe you got it maybe maybe you're quick off the mark that way well when his word is finished you'll speak healing yeah. instead of stinging you'll speak healing isn't that wonderful isn't that wonderful All the scars, all the things that can come through rejection, through hurt. The word of God, once it is finished, it's going to turn back the ugliness of rejection and make what's thorny a fruitful vine. His word will become a greater reality than the sum of your feelings and your past experiences. You will accept his acceptance of you. And all that's left then is to praise. There's no need to labor the work is done. I am loved and he's doing his work. And I just want to end with one last picture because I think it's a, it's a beautiful picture and it's from the book of Ephesians. It's only one or two verses. It's an amazing picture. If you'll bear with me. We know this part. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish, right? I want you to get this picture here. A bride being beautified on her wedding day. I am four years married to just the most wonderful woman. Um, on, on, On Friday, we're four years married. I didn't get to see my wife being beautified, it wouldn't take much, but being beautified on a wedding day. I saw pictures after the fact. But here in the book of Ephesians, it says something interesting. Paul paints a picture for us. It's that the groomsman himself beautifies his bride for the wedding day and he does it by washing her with his word. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All the hearts, all the... To all the brokenness, he comes with his word, and he makes something beautiful. And then he—I don't know—maybe he walks us, maybe he walks us down the aisle, and then turns around and acts surprised. I don't know. We'll see on that day. But it's an amazing truth, sanctified by the water of his word, by the bride, bridegroom himself. There will be no surprises the morning after. He knows who he's bound himself to. Leah is enough for him. Folks, there is no turning back the tide of word, of His word in your life. Amen. Yes. By His grace, you will arrive at rest. He's joined himself to us. His word will get a hold of the deepest parts of us. I will be healed. I will be clean. I will be beautiful in Him. I will find my lot in Him, not in people. I am being emancipated by the word of God from the rejection and the experiences that I have experienced and I will be rooted and grounded in love and I will be presented on that day as perfect because the word that he sent forth will do its work in my life in Jesus name Jesus name somebody out there can get an amen we pray together amen pastor Nick would you would you would you come and, and pray um, God bless you, church, and everybody watching online. Uh, stay encouraged. Come in and see us Sunday morning. Come on. Yes, Come yes. and see us.
1: Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Stand, Just stand with me as we go to pray tonight. I'm, I'm I'm, so blessed by that word tonight. I'm genuinely touched in my soul. And to think that all the... The thoughts that we have about ourselves, I know the thoughts I have about myself that you condemn yourself with. And, and then he speaks his word over you and that cleans you. He says, it's not even just putting water over you. His word is the water. What he says about you is the water. What he says about you is the cleaning agent. You are clean because of the words I speak. So when you think about it, it's not that he's doing Harry Potter It's not that he's doing magic or pulling on some strange water over the heaven and opening up the skies. He's saying, I love you, and that is going to wash you. I speak over you, my heart, my love, my sustaining, steadfast, enduring love for you and for me. And if you can only receive that wherever you are tonight, just let it refresh your soul. And find your identity and your place, a validation there. Don't be looking to other people to validate you because they will one day, tomorrow they won't because you won't reach the standard. But we thank you, Jesus, tonight. Would you just raise your hands just to say to the Lord tonight, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. Come on, just say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Thank you so much, Father. Lord, there is people who are watching tonight, people in house here tonight, Lord. And this has been a word, Lord, like the dew, Lord, uh, Lord, on the weary soul, oh God, on the on the grass, Lord, of a dry area, Lord God, the water that waters the hardened hearts and hardened lives, Lord. The fallow areas, the tough areas, Lord, this has just been, Lord, this has just been a water to our souls tonight, Lord, to hear how much you love, Lord. No more do we doubt you, Lord, and Lord, we just want to say tonight we receive that love, Lord, and we let. We want that love to just do its transforming power in our hearts, Lord, so that we would become the seeder, O oh God. Lord, we would become, Lord Jesus, the the, the thorns and the briars would be gone, Lord God. Lord, the, the, the fight, Lord, that we try to validate ourselves with, Lord, the the, the, the anger, Lord, the the, the Lord Jesus, the, the mood, Lord God, whatever it may be, Lord, that we arm ourselves to defend ourselves with, Lord. Uh, Lord, that would be disarmed now because we don't need to be, we don't need to defend ourselves. We're defended tonight, oh God. We're accepted. We're loved, oh God. We're brought in and you are our, our father. You are our husband. You are our defender. You are a strength, Lord. We love you tonight, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Just thank you, Lord, for washing me, Lord. Thank you for accepting me. Hallelujah. Christians, I just thank the Lord. Thank him that his hand is so steadfastly upon you. Fathers, we just say good night to one another tonight Lord we just thank you for your presence amongst us Lord for being here Lord that your grace would uphold us Lord that this word would not evaporate Lord in the in the with the with the morning sun Lord God it will stay in our hearts oh God Lord lord even as we sleep tonight Lord we would have a, a revelation Lord even as I was saying before the word, oh God to have that fresh revelation of your nearness your presence your love Lord, that has never changed not even for a second God grant us that tonight, oh God in the midst of our busyness in the midst of our failures in the midst of other people's failures in the midst of all the traumas lord that we would have that oasis and lord we would we would guard it oh god we would enjoy it lord we would be the first to partake of all the rewards lord god that you and all the delights lord that you have released and given to us in the person and the son of your love our precious lord and savior we bless you we thank you in jesus marvelous name lord amen praise you jesus Hallelujah.